Oh, hell yeah. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. What are we drinking? Um, I just cracked open a, not a golden monkey, but a sour monkey. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. For fans yeah. of the sour path. Um, yeah, not to be confused with the sour patch. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leo to Sour Patch. He's the original Sour Patch kid. Yep. The the golden patch. Yep. You know? Except for him, though, it's it's a little bit turned around, because first he was sweet, then he was sour. <laughs> you know? As a kid, he was a sweetheart, and then he turns into a tyrant. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, instead of the Sour Patch Kids, they're kind of like the Golden Path Kids. The gold, yeah, they are the Golden Path Kids, actually. Yeah, him and Ganema. Yeah. And Faridin. That's, uh... I mean, it's not It's not going to make any sense. Like, it shouldn't be the episode title for a chapter house episode, but I just feel like that's in the running right now. That's it all. is. I'm going to write that down. Golden Patch Kids. Also, I think it's a good idea for, like, a uh, Dune spin-off um, kid show. Yeah. Once once the movie comes out and it's, like, super um, popular and the franchise takes off, there should be a an animated kids, like, Saturday morning cartoon version. And the Golden Path kid, Kids would be <laughs> what that is, you know, with, with you know, Lido... Ganama, Faraday, and, and, and like their misadventures as right, kiddos, yeah, as kiddos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you know, you know how like on a lot of these shows, like I don't know, you kind of have like that one, that one kid who's like kind of always like the fucking tattletale little like fucking brown noser, yeah. shit for brains, fucking fucking kid, like that, like that fucking hall monitor kid in recess and oh, shit yeah. but it would be palambasha oh damn yeah baby palambasha oh that's perfect yeah, yeah. this is I, he's yeah. totally he's totally a uh hall monitor yeah big hall real. monitor energy yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah um so um yeah obviously we want to talk about dune um does feel like for posterity's sake you know for for the sake of preserving these things and and um you know i i think really leaving them as as markers to show our growth throughout this series that there there is a bit of information i feel like i i would like to share this motherfucker got engaged i got engaged I got to, engaged. They to did. his his long term sweetheart. Yes, who has yelled at me uh, several times throughout the course of this this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but out of love, yeah, always. Yes. It's always oh, been yeah. out of love. Of course, so. of course. But we we still all remember the famous um, "too much tea in the tea bag." Oh incident, my right? god! I mean, who, who could forget? Right? That you was a major fuck up on your part. 
It, yeah, I mean, it really I was. to this day, to this day. And she apologized for what it's worth. Well, I don't think she, she should have, but... Mm-hmm. She um, did. I mean, she well, did that. That, that, goes to, that, yeah, that goes to show that she's a bigger person. Uh, yeah, I, I, I sure know how to pick them, right? So. You do, you do. And not physically, because you are bigger than her, you know, by quite a big bit. Mm. You know, you got, a, like, a belly. I, I was thinking that the other day. I literally, I, like... I took my shirt off and I said to Tony, like, am I getting a look? And I, I just like jig- I just like jiggled in front of the mirror a bit. I like to think of mine as a Grinch belly. Yeah. I know I know exactly the belly that you're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about Jim Carrey's the Grinch. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I can recreate that pretty pretty well. Anyways, from myself and Duncan from Idaho, we you know all of us here at Doom Dudes, the cast, the crew. The writers, uh, you know, we, we, we all want to give you a big congratulatory hug. Wow. Congratulations, Connor, host of Dune Dudes, for your engagement. And I, I'm happy to announce here um, for in, in front of everybody, because I, I, I know we talked about this, that your wedding is going to be a Dune-themed wedding. Yeah, yeah, I... Don't know how hard I'll have to look to find someone to make me like a, a sandworm cake, but that's that's like the working plan right now. You know, yeah. I think because it's just a tube, really. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, a sandworm <laughs> is just a cylinder. It's like a cake on a side. It's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we should be able to get that done. Oh, easily. easily without without too much hassle. Go to the cake um, boss. He's right yeah. in the city. The uh, the only hard part is, you know, all the everyone is is supposed to um, you know come dressed wearing still suits. Of course, and I, of course. I I haven't figured out the logistics on that one yet, but um, well, I mean, we, we got, got time. time. We'll figure it out. We got time. Yeah. Trust me, we got time. So. And also, I mean, we we just sent in the specifications, but you know, in in lieu of a tux, we we are going to have you wear. Um, sand trout skin <laughs> yeah as the groom you know you you should be the one that wears right you know the warm skin right of course that's only natural yeah. it's only right and and uh you know i'm i'm already planning the uh the the um the pre-regrenation uh you know you <laughs> you and your car with with your your wife oh yeah yeah shit. we can't we can't go over any bridges no, i'll no. gonna be too nervous yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean yeah. don't confide at the, at the kid he's not he's not gonna be allowed at the wedding no 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 and and not not because he doesn't exist oh no i mean well, not no, not course. to cover our asses. of course he exists <laughs> not to cover our asses no 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 it's too good with a gun yeah so, uh, yeah, hey, thanks. Um, man, you know, isn't it crazy? Like, we're here at Chapter House. You turn around five books, look at the, the journey that's brought us here. You, you know, you look and see how far we've come, you know. Yeah. Not, not only have we just read a bunch of stupid Doom novels, but, you know, we've grown as people. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I'm not going to say it's because of Dune, but, I mean, I'm not... 
not going to say what, what else, he doesn't do. What else could it so, be? Is my you know, right? What else yeah. could it be? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I know you and I in our personal conversations, you know, you you were going back and forth about getting married, but when she read Dune, that was what really... That was, yeah. That was the moment yeah. that you decided yeah. that she's the one. On a, on a real note, and <laughs> thinking about... Um, the ways that that Dune has helped us grow. I still remember in the first book, uh, Dune, the nineteen sixty five sci fi novel by Frank Herbert. Dune, the original, you might say. <laughs> yes. Um, when when Paul really gets his future sight and and like describes like the way that he sees the future as like these different paths um and how like it's but i i guess the way that he ultimately comes to face those paths you know like leto's all about cutting them apart mm-hmm. um but Paul is is a, a lot more um, uh, accepting of like you know whatever will be will be in some ways and like we, you even see that you know at, at like the very end like he kind of like won and got everything that he wanted but like when Hot shows up he still sees like a possible future where he's like yeah maybe Hot will kill me you know whatever I happens know. like that's yeah, just yeah. let it ride yeah and um, I feel like as someone who has and you know obviously continues to it's just one of those things but like who who definitely has like struggled with uh feeling paralyzed from like the the infinite possible courses of like the way the the future can go and the way that my actions could or couldn't affect that i really do feel like reading dune and seeing paul describe that and seeing paul come to a kind of acceptance like of the futures that like that um you know not not to say that not to not to say it's not to say that this is related to my engagement uh Connor, would you a, say that your engagement makes you feel <laughs> not to say you that. feel burdened with a terrible purpose <laughs> no no i'm i'm uh burdened only with a beautiful love but um but i i do think it kind of helped with like that kind of like anxiety of the future yeah. I do think Dune, in a way, helped with that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get what you're saying. I think it, it definitely recontextualizes a lot of, you know, how I thought about the future as well. Um, yeah, there's different pathways, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 totally kind of like a bottom up re restructuring of of that concept you know of of the concept of time or living your life um and like i don't know i i I think there is merit to both the way paul views it and the way leo views it um because paul is you know more passive i think you are maybe a little bit passive as well um whereas leo is very much not passive yeah, um, completely. Yeah, but but Paul at the same time, 
does kind of come to, I mean, I don't know if he made peace with it. Maybe by the end he did, but, but, um, but no, yeah, he, he kind of goes through the, almost goes through the stages of grief, you know, in accepting it. And, and that's, that's a really cool thing to, to watch happen. Um, and like, it just goes, it just, just goes to tell you like the, the future is inevitability, no matter what happens, you will lose this current version of yourself. And, and that reminds me, uh, when we watched Doctor Who together. Yeah. When the 12th, do- no, no, the 10th Doctor Who um, you, I think, I think you were at, and, and this makes me, this, this makes my heart kind of like swell with joy just based on, on where you were as a person back then and where you are now. Like, you definitely like were going through some, some hard times. Yeah. Rough times, you know, you, you, you definitely weren't, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say you were super happy uh, with circumstances. And, and, you know, your reaction to that was, like, to, to him regenerating and, and, you know, saying, I want to go, the, the famous line. Uh, you're like, oh, man, I, like, feel that. Like, like I know I have to change, but, like, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, you know, and, and so kind of a few years after that, now seeing you, um, you know, excited and welcoming the future and the next step is, it makes me as... Your best friend, very, very happy. Thanks, man. I I remember that specific moment too, and yeah. I was, um, yeah, pretty depressed at that point, and you know, a lot of that, you know, it's it's weird to say it did have to. It's like it did and it didn't, but like the, the way that I, the way that I think about it is, I, I attributed, especially at the time, a lot of my depression to not being with Tony. Um, and, uh, I, I, that's, that's its own thing, but I know what you mean where it's like the future's coming no matter what, you know, and it's coming fast every day. Mm -hmm. And all you really have control over is is how you meet it um and if you're gonna fucking you know dig your maker hooks into the side of that worm and ride it or not you either Mm -hmm. you either get fucking trampled by the worm or you ride the worm you know yeah absolutely so yeah that's that's so true and and again another dudism you know uh the uh the absence of making a choice is a choice in yeah itself, you know yeah and yeah. uh i mean this this is you making a choice you know this is this is actually you know no matter what you know how, how much uh pre-planning or talking about it you did before this is like you actually making a choice you know and uh uh so yeah i don't know i'm i'm more like Lito than i thought huh yeah yeah, you're 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 you are the worm man I love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was fun. Um, yeah, thanks, dude. I love you. Um, let's uh, let's sing our our theme song and talk about Dune. Let's do let's do it. Um, okay, so what is it? You come in at three, I come in at four. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or you come in at on three, I come in after four. 
No, I come in at three, you come in at four. So you say one, two, three, I go, and then you just sing a second after, and that's like pretty. All right, so you come in right after two then. So it's so on three, right? Do you come in after three or on three? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think we're overthinking it. I mean, what do you want to. As long as there's a second in between I when I start and when I you know. start, it doesn't really matter. This is, this so what is how it's going to go. Okay. This is what we're going to do. This yeah. is how it's going to go. Right. This is what I need. <laughs> this is what it's going to take. I'm going to say one, two. Uh, no, yeah. you, you come in on the three. And then I can okay. Yeah, that, okay. That gotcha. 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 Right. gotcha. I'm with it. Okay, okay. Ready? Yep. One, two, three. He's a chapter. House. House. There we go. Simple as that. Fuck yeah. You did it. Fuck yeah. Okay, it's been it's been a while. It's been it's been a while. Can't not do that. I know. I feel like that's that's kind of, that's one of our Doom dudes things now at this point too. I don't even know who does. I don't even know who does that song. But it's been a while. No, I I, I, I I'm just saying it's stained. I've been saying it's stained, but like I don't yeah. really know if it is. Yeah. No, I mean. I don't know if anyone knows. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of a meme at this point. Yeah, no. Uh, it it absolutely has been a while. Uh, also, partially because like I've been on vacation and then went directly into like kind of freaking out slash figuring out how to get engaged. Um, yes, and that's a whole other story. That's a whole. That's you know, a whole other uh, can of worms. I don't know if we have time to talk about that on the podcast. No, we it's, really don't. We really long... don't. At least not now. No, it's it's a long, complicated thing. Um, yeah. Uh, but it ended well, thankfully. It did, it did. Um, but yes, so that that's also partially why it's been long enough. In fact, um, how about we take this... Uh, you know what? No, we, we should talk about the Dune in front of us, not the Dune that we will be talking about. So, oh, does that movie? make sense? I'm actually talking about the rest of this book, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I can, we can hash it out now. But no, I, think, I think we should talk about it now. It's just, I mean, we'll get, it's going to be, that's going to be a quick, a quick. Okay, okay. And, and it's good to give the listeners a heads up on what we're going to be doing, right, from here on out. Well, well, here's the deal, man. Um, so I did count through, and uh, there's 23 or Four chapters left. It's oh one of those God. for sure. Okay, so just to make this clear to the listeners, mm-hmm. our goal has been and still is to finish Chapter House by the time Dune comes out. Yeah, which, which gives which us until October 22nd. Yeah. Yes, on October 22nd, Dune comes out in the movie theaters, and we are going to be done with Chapter House. Yeah. That's our goal. So, so... We and we were like on course to have like a really solid pace to just like do that naturally, and then kind of all of this shit happened. Yeah. Now we're kind of fucked again. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So the way that I see it is, we need to double up. Okay. So we're going to finish talk, and the thing is, I look to the next five chapters, and then the five chapters after that, meaning the next ten chapters. Some of those chapters are pretty 
big. Yeah. It, okay. it seemed like when I was flipping through. So the next 10 chapters is going to be like the bulk of it. And then the other 10-ish or whatever, they're, they're smaller. You know what okay. I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. But w- yeah. what I mean is like 20, 23 or whatever chapters left. Obviously not all equal. Once we read the next 10, that's most of it, it looks like. And then it's a bunch of small chapters on, like, the home stretch. Okay. Um, so we're saying two episodes a week. I think we have to. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I am down for that. We can do that. We can do yeah. it. We just have to actually do it. Yes, we do. And... Um, I'm 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 really strongly committed to it because yeah. when we sit our asses down in those IMAX theater seats, I want to feel like we've come full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. I want to feel you know completed. Which is a big ask, but it's not even about the movie. It's 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 about what we've done to get to it. Exactly. You know? It's it's about this whole project that we have undertaken, um, you know, over a year and a half ago. Uh, and this is this is really this is ending. This is the ending of a chapter for us. <laughs> house. Yes. Chapter house. Yeah. Um, this is the end of Chapter House Dune Dudes. Chapter House yeah. Dude. Um, so yeah, I, I'm down, I'm down for that. We gotta figure out the days, but, uh, we, we, we can't well, do that. We can't do that. We'll do that after, but yes, um, if you are listening, you can expect back-to-back Dune Dudes episodes. Two per week for the next two weeks. Then maybe we do, like, one, I don't know. We'll see how much we have left. We'll in see. Yeah. yeah, we we are we already have enough to figure out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but that's the plan. So that's what we'll that's what we'll do. All right. And as for these five chapters, um, yeah. Thank God I took some notes. Um, Has it been, been a while for you? I mean, not to to memeify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, the uh, it's so stupid the way that I did this when I was on vacation, like two weeks ago now. Um, I, I decided because I was going to be on vacation for a week, I was like, oh, I'll like spread it out. Like I'll read like one chapter a day at the beach or whatever. And the first two days I did that. I went to the beach and I just read a chapter and then I just fucking hung out and drank at the beach and yeah. do beach shit. Next day I did the same thing. Third day, I don't know what happened, Connor. Got all fucked up. I, I don't know. I only had read two chapters, so then I had three chapters to read, and I pretty much read them all today. Okay. Um, four and five I read all today. Three I kind of read two weeks ago a bit, but I didn't finish it, so I, I basically just reread it today, too. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I... Because there was... We were going to record this episode when you came to visit, originally. Uh, we right. were working on some other things. Um, yeah. surprisingly non-dude dudes related stuff um, and that was the plan so pretty much the day before you came I crammed all five chapters so it, it, it's been a while yeah 
Sorry, buddy. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it's all, all good. good. So, but anyways, that goes without saying. This is going to be one of those episodes where you, yeah, where you uh, jump sermon by memory as we go. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so, uh, our first chapter here. It's it's Duncan in the no ship. Um, he's really just thinking to himself the whole time. He's really just thinking. And, um, it's a short chapter, but there's just a couple things I want to call attention to that he, that he does think about. Um, so at the, at the top of page 195, he kind of comes to this realization. It's not confirmed, but I think it's like his prime computation or whatever. He thinks that the old people he keeps seeing in these recurring visions are face dancers. Yes. Yep. But that they, like, are not controlled by the Tleilaxu. Like, they're face dancers, but they're, like, separate from the face dancers that we're familiar with. Does, does he think... Yeah, yeah. That, so that's kind of his theory. Yeah. Does he think they're from the scattering or no? I, I think that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Like, that's probably why they can face dance, because they were originally, like, Slaylaxu. And then, yeah, something happened in the scattering where they still have the ability, but they're kind of just, like, completely separated. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's it. And, um, I mean, you know, is this the chapter he thinks more about his cells and... And uh, what what was put into him? Oh, and does he mention a whistle? He does. Yeah. The whistle I wanted to mention for sure. The cell stuff might be another chapter, but I, I don't even really remember. Because um, I, I think I think in chapter four we get another Duncan thing. But um, anyways, the whistling that is on the the top of page one ninety five. Uh, the line goes like this. I think they're face dancers. They look at me, and just now, a whistle, it hurts. Yeah. That's what he says. Um, so, yeah, obviously, in, in the previous episode, we mentioned, like, Sightail was kind of subtly working on his whistle plan. So this, the fact that they are whistling and the fact that, that it hurts Duncan is, like, super telling. It really lends lends credibility to to the theory that we we put together last episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The only thing that would be weird if if these vision old people really are separated from the Tleilaxu, like are they just whistling and because of the way Duncan's been conditioned does it hurt them? Or like do they also know somehow and they're, like, deliberately doing it, but then if they're deliberately doing it, are they still part of the Tleilaxu? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. It almost makes you think maybe, like, they are kind of like Duncan's salvation from from uh, Sightel's plan. Like, their whistling would, would kind of outdo him. <laughs> Something like that. I could I see know. that, yeah. yeah and, I could see I mean, that. You know, kind of like goes with with whichever chapter that he talks about his cells and stuff. But like, he can like, 
I don't know. He, he can, can like see different things or like experience reality and space like differently. Like, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I mean, that could be it could be something from them, you know, that they that, that they're using this. They're, they're using Duncan as maybe kind of like a way to destroy the Iron Majors or something from from all the way back in, in, in the scattering. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I mean, you think that they that you know since Duncan was such a hot commodity, like they would definitely bring his cells with them into this gathering, right? That's true. I can't see them not doing that. Yeah, I mean, with with how many Duncans have been made at this point, anyways, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't? You? Like, you probably yeah. wouldn't even think about it. It'd be like, oh, you know, yeah. you gotta fucking pack your toothbrush, grab exactly. your wallet, get your Duncan cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's exactly what up. Um, yeah, yeah, the, but, but that, yeah, that's true. Um, and, yeah, I think, um, I... I don't know, it kind of touches, like, Duncan's thinking about the scattering again at the the very end of this chapter. It's the last, like, paragraph. Uh, he thinks, Somewhere out there in the infinite universe, a jury had brought in a verdict against honored maters. Law and its managers had not prevailed for the hunters. He suspected that his vision had shown him two of the jurors. Yeah. And if they were face dancers, they were not Sightail's face dancers. Those two people behind the shimmering net belong to no one but themselves. I think that's a really interesting line just because, like, in the previous section, Herbert just got done talking about jurors, laws. Yes. You know, that's that's what Lucilla gets her fucking cranium caved in for. Yeah, um, very true. And here's Duncan kind of musing on I don't know, the, these other kinds of jurors making some other kind of decision. I mean, if they really are a kind of juror and the honor mater see it that way too, that could even be why Dama was so set off about like Lucilla's observations. Absolutely. Maybe they were yeah. like I mean, convicted that, of something. And, yeah, and that could have been Lucilla's intention as well. I mean, you know, since... They have been trying to figure out why the automators have fled the scattering. Like, they could be fleeing crime. They could be fleeing a conviction or exile or something like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of coming together a little bit. It is. I think when we get to Chapter 4, we'll talk a little bit about these uh, characters again and definitely more about Duncan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I, I think that this, that's kind of what I got for this chapter. You know, Duncan's just kind of chilling out thinking he does have, have some pretty interesting thoughts, but pretty much everything gets fleshed out or, or brought up again later yeah. in a way that we would probably have more to discuss. Um, unless there's anything else you want to mention here. No, I think that's it. That's it for me. Cool. One and done. Chapter two. Um, chapter two. Oh, we get Odrade. 
Um, Odrade's talking with Saggy. <laughs> she says that uh, the first melange in the morning is always different. And she's, like, explaining, explaining to Saggy that, like, the... That the you know sometimes the melange can be painful pretty much yeah. and like kind of trying to show her you know from the perspective of like a, an acolyte being a reverend mother especially like mother superior can seem apparently like very glamorous and yeah, mother superior Udrade I think is trying to to teach and give some kind of a lesson here you know that there's there's like a price to be paid for these. Uh, you know, these, these gifts. Yeah. I mean, even, um, like, especially with Melange, like they, um, they seem to downplay the effects of Melange for the acolytes as to make it seem not as scary as it can be. But Odrade against common, um, convention, you know, go like tries to, to be honest about its more negative effects in the addiction aspect. Oh, that as well. Yeah. And obviously, Odrade's thing has pretty much always been, like, she's the Reverend Mother who does go against that. Yeah. What did you say? Common convention? Yeah. Um, but, of course, like, her being in this leadership role, it seems to be, like, even more pronounced that is a big deal in chapter five, but here in chapter two, it does kind of come up again too. Um, I, I wanna, let's see. I'm wondering, I think this line might be what I'm looking for. Um, Hmm. No, I thought I had something more specific. In my notes, I have it written down, Odrade's strength may be unlearning Bene Gesserit ways and breaking patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that in relation to the idea of like the unexpected in Heretics, that um, Terraza and Teg like, were kind of the... the, the like representatives of, you know, yeah, yeah. to to do those things against convention. Um, something about this chapter made me think of that, but oh, I'm not sure what it is. But you got there too, so something something in this chapter I think is showing us that even maybe more than just the spice thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I I I think so. I think that's. I mean, I think she's kind of wrapped up in that too. Obviously, she's kind of following both Traza and Tag's kind of lead, right? Um, so she's like the surprise, maybe, that the Bene Gesserit need to survive, to adapt. Maybe. Um, there was one other line in here that I, I thought was pretty interesting. It's you know, Herbert, of course, will 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 bring in um, these small pieces of our real world into uh, his universe. And on page two hundred two, um, let's see, Odrade. 
Odrade, I think she's talking to Saggy still, asks her what she's reading. Could be another acolyte, but at any rate, um, they say that they're reading the diaries of Tolstoy. Um, yeah. and, and, and Odrade kind of shows off in this weird way where she's like, Tolstoy was a family name. Like, she's pretty much literally saying, you're reading the diary of, like, a life that lives inside me. Like, there is some kind of connection to Tolstoy inside of Odrade's many, many lives throughout her ancestry. Um, And that's, you know, of course, like, kind of cool in and of itself. But she, she quotes this this line attributed to him. She says, I am not a river. I am a net. Um, And I'm not really sure where I want to, where I want to go with this, but I've been thinking too, that, that there's been this idea of nets being brought up a lot too. Like, even in just the previous chapter, Duncan refers to the the old people of, like, you know, like, the old couple behind the net, because Duncan sees, like, his weird shimmering time vision, yeah. like, he thinks of it as a net. And there's a part in uh, one of the Bene Gesserit chapters here where Odrade's thinking that, like, I think it's the fifth chapter, she's thinking about how um, Benny Jesuit teaching is kind of like a net and like the net becomes like finer and finer and closer together the closer you get to central and like the farther away like the, the looser the net becomes but like it's still there and like I don't I don't have a point but it, it has been kind of jumbling around my mind that I think I think Herbert is like kind of toying with some idea here too of like yeah. Of, like, something that obscures things or, like, separates them clearly, but, like, you can still see through it, you know? Yes. Yeah, no, I, um, I noticed that as well. He's, he is signaling something. And I think that is, yeah, it's, like, just one more puzzle piece. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. All I can say is I noticed it too. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't... I have nothing further. I don't think we're going to to really tease more out of that yet. I'll I'll, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Um, but I did want to throw it out there. Maybe we will come back to that at some point. Maybe we won't, but, I mean, some something is there. Something's yeah, definitely there. Absolutely. Um, ugh, man. Um... Yeah, but ultimately, I think this second chapter does a lot of setup too. Like, I think the things that are being brought up in this chapter, in my mind, the way that this section of five works, it's like one is the setup for four, and they connect, and two is the setup for five, and they connect. And so, like, one and two, in and of themselves, like, they're interesting, there's some good lines in there. But I feel like it's really just priming us for these later chapters. Um, and then three is just its own thing, which we're going to talk about 
in just a second. Do you want to talk about chapter three? Yeah, wow, we're we're ripping through this ship. We we are, but I mean, I, I I'm I I I, th- I, I don't know. I feel like we could talk about these next three for a while, so I don't know if it'll even out or not. But no, I mean, yeah, let's let's, let's go for it. Like, I don't have a, I don't have much to say about the second chapter here, um, except yeah, I mean, that's that's it. That is it. <laughs> I'm really glad that you you decided to. Uh, that's all I got. Take take a, a pause there and gather your thoughts and really think about what you want to say about chapter two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to kind of sum up what you're thinking and right. uh, put it into words, but I feel like I really captured where I was coming from. So yeah, yeah, no, it was moving, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Herbert himself would be proud, I'm sure. He would be. He, he so would be. Um, Imagine if he was alive today to listen to the dudes. I know, but I mean, in that in that case, we'd probably have one more book to read. So, damn, you know. true. Uh, all right, chapter three. Um, what's going on in chapter three? Let's find out together. Oh, right. Chapter three is the rabbi. We're back with the rabbi and yes. Rebecca. They are hiding in a no chamber that they built um, pretty damn close to where they were originally anyways. Seems like that's kind of another unexpected move. Yeah. Um, I uh, wasn't too sure. It sounds like, is, is it... I don't feel like they... What am I trying to say? Um, they don't just say exactly why they're in the no chamber. But it, it seems to be like you're, you're left to infer that the honor maters did come back after all. Mm. Like, like after... Rebecca was released, and then whoever the fuck Dama's aide was like, hey, uh, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't let him go, and then Dama's like, fuck you, you think it's going to be a problem? It, it, it kind of feels like we're left to be like, oh yeah, I guess they kind of changed their mind, and they were like, yeah, we probably should have not done that. And they, somehow, the rabbi and Rebecca kind of knew that was coming, and they were able to make a no-chamber before it happened, and that's how they're hiding. That's yeah. Yeah, what I, mean, I, I think. I, I feel like after her release, it's kind of like an inevitability that they would catch up with her at some point. You know, so even if it wasn't a, even if they, they didn't realize that, that they had been, that they started searching for them, I feel like it's a safe bet that you know they were going to at some point. Yeah. Um, so that could be why they're 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 doing that. Um, and then yeah, the no no chamber. Who knows how they found that? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it says um, it says that it was like made from smuggled parts. I think like I I think they had to get it in parts. So like somehow they were anticipating needing it, but yeah, it does it does seem a little 
it's it's not clear exactly how the whole thing was was done. You're just kind of like, well, I did it, you know. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting to be meeting back up with uh, the rabbi and Rebecca just before the halfway point of this book here. Yeah, I remember thinking. Uh, just after that chapter where Rebecca goes to see Dom and then leaves, I was like, oh shit, like, I, like, I thought the book was almost going to be, like, about Rebecca. Like, Uh I thought this was going to be, like, chapter house, space Judaism, you know, like, (laughs) but it it really pulled back just in the same way that I really thought like, and I was going to talk a bit more about this too, but like just in the same way I thought Shiana was going to be like a major player. And there's still a whole half of this book where that might be what happens, uh, both for Rebecca and Shiana. But like, I thought they would be a constant presence and Herbert just is like, no, they're going to come back. Yeah. they are not the focus right now. Very much so not the focus. Um, so in a way, I was kind of surprised to come back at this point to Rebecca and the rabbi. I was like, oh, we're going to yeah. get like a catch-up chapter. Yeah, you never really know which way it's going to pivot. But I, I'm, I'm happy enough to have them back. I think they're, they're interesting characters. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, especially um, Rebecca, you know, she's really caught in between these two worlds, you know, like obviously she has the, the experiences and the ability of a Bene Gesserit, but like the, the, the background and the community, um, of, you know, someone like a devout person of the Jewish faith. Yeah. Like the way that those things are kind of like, inherently at odds with each other, you know? Um, in fact, she has this great line. I think I told myself where to find it. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. It's, uh... It's, uh... I don't know. The rabbi says something like... Oh, problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rabbi's like, oh, man, problems, whatever. And then Rebecca is like, uh, you understand nothing of what has happened to me. My problem, she leaned close to him, it is to remain human while in contact with all of those past lives. Um, so, yeah, like, it's... it's, I, And there's more to it, too. Like, I think there is a line in this chapter where... She kind of has to reconcile with realizing that, like, the, the life that she was raised to lead and, like, the faith that she was raised to believe in, upon undergoing the spice agony, she, like, immediately, or I think it's when she gets the horde of Lampadas, but anyways, she kind of realizes in that moment that she doesn't believe in her religion anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, she has so many other experiences that... It, it, it feels like it completely, like, cancels it out. Like, she's like, there's no way I can know all the things that I do through the Spice Agony and be like, oh, yeah, but, like, 
you know, I believe in, like, the Old Testament God. Like, she just can't reconcile those yeah. two things. Yeah, there, there's also a part where I think it's in that, it's, I think it's in that, uh, like, scene where uh, the rabbi's like, oh, you know, are, are, are you a Jess right now? Are you not one of us anymore? And then she's, she's like, um, you'll know when I'm not one of you anymore or something. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll know yeah. when I'm a Bene Gesserit. Like, that, I, that'll be obvious. I have the line because it's close to the one I was referencing. She says, you will know when I'm Bene Gesserit. You will see me looking at myself as I look at myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever that, that means. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, that's a great, great line. It, like, seems like it really encapsulates, like, that idea of, you know, keeping your human form, but, like, like crossing this internal threshold that, like, forever separates you from the rest of humanity. Yeah. Where, like, you're kind of just, like, a voyeur to, like, the, the regular happenings of like the people of the universe yeah know? exactly yeah um and then by extension to yourself so yeah it's all it's all weird it's all cool um there's a couple other lines i wanted to mention here just a little bit before what we were saying the rabbi says uh to rebecca you are more than a trial and a problem this little cell of secret Israel shares your exile because we understand that. And then he gets cut off and goes into what we were just talking about. I wanted to mention that because um, before we were thinking like secret Israel is maybe a place, maybe a planet. That line made me think, is secret Israel just like the community of like secret practitioners of the Jewish faith like he says this little cell of secret Israel and you know he doesn't have to mean it literally like who knows secret Israel could be a place it doesn't matter probably but it just makes me think I was thinking of it as a place like chapter house but I, I felt like this line called that into question that it could be more of like an idea a reference to like a group of people rather than yeah a physical place. It could just be the the remaining devoted population throughout the the universe or the galaxy or whatever. Right. Um. So. Again, like I, I don't think that's going to matter to the plot, but wanted to throw that out there. It almost seems more realistic for it to be more widespread than. Than just on one in one sliver of a section of a of a planet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think so too. Um, I just wasn't really sure where Herbert was gonna take that idea. If any. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know yet if he's gonna take it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it but could, it's, it it's really still could be, Yeah, it could just be you know. Um, it could just be a little bit of dressing for the main meal, you know, or it's, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to be, if, if it'll play like a really pivotal part, um, or not, but, uh, I still think it's an interesting thing to have in the Dune universe. 
And so it far, is. so far, I do think Herbert's handled it relatively well. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, it feels. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, it's so jarring the first time you read it. Like, I mean, we were we were only like three or four. You know, it's like one of the first. It's one of the first five chapters that we read. Yeah. Um, something comes up about the rabbi and all that shit, and. Uh, it's just such a weird feeling to, 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 like, crack open a new Dune book and be like, all right, what do you got for me, Herbert? And, like, even though you're expecting it to be weird and, and different and go off in, like, unexpected directions at this point, I, like, that's exactly the thing. Like, you know that it's going to be those things, but, like, you can never know specifically what it'll be. And it's like, yeah. wow, we're doing this. I know, like, I know. Um, I, I think one of the things that has worked is like, he kind of just hasn't talked about it in like a hundred pages. Yeah. That's, that's and I feel true. like that, that's given me like a lot of time to kind of just <laughs> co- come to terms with it. Just be like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, that's just not, part of our story. It's not laid on too heavy. No, no, it's not. Um, and yeah, we, we might have a lot of very, very, uh, you know, interesting things to talk about it at, at the end depending on how the story goes but yeah it, it it still remains an odd decision I have to say um but I do like this chapter with the rabbi and Rebecca like they have a definitely a, a cool dynamic um I don't know I don't really know what is going to come of them like waiting around in this no chamber but they do kind of mention at the very end, um, Rebecca is, Rebecca is thinking about the ways that, like, future sight can be a hindrance. That's something that's been kind of being, like, thought about a lot here, too, in, in this book, off and on. Um, so, I'll, I'll just read the lines that I have here, um. So, I don't know how much of it I want to read, though. Well, okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she, but she mentions that seeing the future in, like, all its clarity uh, essentially leads to, like, a horrible life uh, because nothing can ever surprise you again. It's like you've already experienced your entire life and you're pretty much just waiting around to die. Yeah. Um, and so on the final page of this chapter 210, she says, like a moth in the car, you will beat your wings against the sides and ask fate to let you out. Let the tube undergo a magical change of direction. Let something new happen. Don't let the terrible things I have come, I have seen come to pass. Abruptly, she saw that this must have been Muad'Dib's travail. To whom had he uttered his prayers? Um... That's obviously cool. We've kind of talked about the whole Muad'Dib thing to death, so not what I want to focus on, but the, the last, last line, uh, there's the rabbi says there's a storm coming. Joshua thinks it will make a cement of the ash pit. That is good, says Rebecca. It is why we built here and left the cover off the pit when we entered. But how do we get out, says the rabbi. We have tools for that, says Rebecca. And even without tools, there's always our hands. 
I like that last line in conjunction with her thinking about um, the way that knowing the future can damn you. Because, like, to me, what that what that says and shows is like, um, you know, obviously we get the rabbi learning that they might get like fucking caved and cemented into their own no ship, and he's yeah. like. This is, like, fucking sucks. And Rebecca's like, no. No, it's okay. Because she doesn't know the future, you know? And in her mind, it's like, as long as the future is unknown, the possibility of success always exists. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, and so, even in, like, the most dire, horrible situation, like if you really are living through like the complete unexpected reality, you can, you can also just like, you can always choose to believe and, and, and hope and know to some extent that like there, there is always a chance no matter how slim, it doesn't matter if you get covered in cement in your no ship underground because she doesn't see what happens after that. You know, it's, it's really just like this faith in, what Herbert likes to come back to a lot, I think, is, like, the spirit of humanity. You know, like, we always have our hands. It doesn't even matter if you have tools. Like, you're a human being. You have your own two fucking hands. Like, dig, you know? Yeah. You yeah. could do it. Uh, so, I didn't really realize that Rebecca has that kind of passion, but I like that she's, like, a conduit for that here in, in, in this chapter. Um, I think that's yeah. pretty well done. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, uh... Very, very, you know, classic Frank Herbert optimism in in human capability. And that's um, what it is, yes. Yes. Yeah, and in the never giving up or counting out. Um which yeah, which which I love. I mean that's you know, prescience is binding, but it's also it also makes you think about possibilities differently like i think like we kind of talked about um and so it's almost equally uh you know you can almost equally look at it from a nihilistic point of view or an optimistic point of view um they both very much still exist uh yeah yeah i mean that that that, that passage did make me like rebecca more i guess yeah I mean, it, we we might not meet back up with her for another 150 pages, but maybe not even in this book. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not even in this book. Yeah. Maybe her plan was to to see her again <laughs> next book. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. She was supposed to get dug out of yes. the no chamber yes. of someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's the but, opening uh, chapter of the seventh book. Is is just her hand coming out of the dirt, of <laughs> the, the rubble and the ashes of the no chamber. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know what's cool is we don't know the future, man. It's For all we know, that's right. It's all still possible. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention about this chapter, Rebecca kind of thinks and mentions to herself, since she has the Lampadas horde inside of her, um, you know, that's, 
I guess presumably probably like hundreds of thousands of, you know, individuals. And it kind of gets personified in her head as like just one collective voice that she refers to as the speaker. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like that. Just, it, it kind of reminds me of Leto in Children of Dune where like they, they, he has access to so many lives that like sometimes it kind of gets distilled into like a, just a singular thing. But more than that, um, we see that um, Rebecca, who isn't really a Bene Gesserit, like she says, you know, she's just someone who's under, undergone the, the spice agony and I guess has like thousands upon thousands of Bene Gesserit lives inside of her. Um, it, so she's, she's almost on this like aspect of the, of a, of a human um, recognizing and personifying like a Bene Gesserit voice inside of her. I feel like that kind of mirrors um, Odrade, who we're going to be talking about, where Odrade, of course, is like a Bene Gesserit. She's the fucking bad bitch in charge. And she's been kind of going back throughout this book and personifies the, like, human voice inside of her before she was a Bene Gesserit as Sea Child. Yes. Which she talks about in the first chapter of this section and the last chapter of this section. Um, I don't really have a lot... I don't know what to say about, like, the mirroring there, but I, again, I think it's there. Um, I think Odrade's, like... Return, returning to the idea of Sea Child is a lot more interesting, and there's more that we'll talk about there when we get to that chapter. Um, but but I think that there is meant to be a kind of link in some way between those two characters and like those aspects of them too, somehow, something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just. Uh, I mean, it's it's something that I guess happens in in kind of compartmentalizing different important parts of the personality or something. Um, but it's definitely a similarity with, uh, within a few characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It, it, it kind of is just a byproduct of having that, those many lives inside of you. Probably just like something you need to do or else I guess you just go insane, like Aaliyah, you know, like... Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> looking at Leo again, too, you know, it's like, he he kind of faced that as well. It just kind of had a different solution. Yeah. Um, but also a very similar solution where he just kind of let the dominant spirit lead, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that, that is interesting. <laughs> It's interesting how, yeah. how, how different <clears throat> characters deal with it differently, I guess. It is. It is. Yeah, that... If ever we were to reread these books, that would definitely be something you focus in on. Like, the, 
the way that Herbert's characters who who have these multitudes of lives inside of them deal with them and and interact with them. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a big thing. Um but yeah, I um I feel pretty good wrapping up chapter three here. I um it was good to check back in with the rabbi and with Rebecca. Seems like I don't really know where their story's going or how they're going to fit into the rest of the narrative at this point. I mean, it it could very well be as these Bene Gesserit planets are being destroyed more and more, you know, even though Rebecca is, is like pretty much separated and not even really part of the Bene Gesserit, like now that Lucilla's dead and the Lampada's horde that lived inside her is, you know, effectively gone. Yeah. It only lives in on inside of Rebecca. Then of course, um, <coughs> and as more planets are destroyed, like, that just becomes more and more valuable. Like it was talked about, like how how important Lampadas was in like the Bene Gesserit line of planets, and uh, you know maybe even all their planets will be destroyed, and and Rebecca becomes like the only only living like uh, the, the the only way that that like great store of knowledge like lives on you know yeah. she she might be something to to kind of like carry that baton so yeah, yeah no, that's that's a possibility that would i mean that would make her very valuable and very sought after by all kinds of enemies people yeah yeah i mean she's already in a pretty dangerous situation but the the fewer planets there are the 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 more deadly her her position becomes for sure yeah. And is it in uh, the next chapter that we find out there's even more planets that have been destroyed? Uh, that's that's the fifth one. Okay. But I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there there were four more planets destroyed. There's only twelve yep. left, if my memory serves me. Yeah, that sounds right. So. Only 12 planets left that the Bene Gesserit control, including Chapter House Planet, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, yeah, if four can be destroyed in, like... I mean, I, I don't know when this update is coming from. Has it been a month, two months? Well, we, right? No, they might say, I don't remember, but we don't, we don't really know as far as I'm aware. Like, um, yeah, four planets is a lot, especially when you have 12 left. So, the honor maiders are not just sitting on their asses; like they are getting shit done. They are. Too. They are. Um. But yeah, just before we get to that, <clears throat> we got chapter four here. Um, but Connor, before before we talk about chapter four. Uh, can you pause it quick? Yeah. Take a, take a quick break? Yeah, I gotta take a pee as well. So I'll right. give it right. a pause right now. Alright, man. So, chapter four. Chapter four is Duncan. The main man, Duncan. The main man. Duncan is 
thinking to himself again, but he thinks back to a conversation that it starts off, he's thinking about like him just talking to Mirbella. Then he thinks back to a conversation that he had with Odrade, and then Mirbella like comes into it. And pretty much him like thinking about all these these things, he's able to well, he doesn't put the pieces together, but he finds the pieces that he wants. He calls it a mosaic. He's like building a mosaic in his mind. We'll go like we are. You know, we are with uh, Herbert storytelling here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, hey, I don't know what's up with all this net shit, but let's throw it out there, <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe we we will be able to grab it more readily in the future when we have more information. Exactly. That's that is precisely what's going on here. So, uh, the chapter ends with him repeating and laying out what all those pieces of his mosaic are, and I think that's how we'll wrap up our chapter. We'll talk about what what he leaves and what, what if anything, we might think that could mean. Um, uh, but otherwise, there there are some other lines that I took note of that, you know, we, we could use as jumping off points. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, and I know you said it's uh, been a while, uh-huh. but is there anything in this chapter you, you feel like, um, bringing up or do you want me to start? How do you, yeah, you lead the way. way. I might think of I'll things. lead the way. I might think okay. of things, but as okay. right now, not in. Gotcha. That's fine. Just wanted to, to uh, you know, give you the opportunity in case. Thank you. Yeah, one of my many hostly uh, duties as host. As a co-host, I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. I'm just gonna go through my notes then. So. Uh, the bottom of page 212, there's the following line. Uh, Duncan is pretty much thinking to himself that, like, yeah, he's locked up in no-shit prison or whatever. But more than that, um, he, he's able to infer that there's a lot of shit going down outside of the no-ship that hasn't been discussed with him. So, like, he doesn't know, and of course, being a mentat, like, having those gaps in his knowledge, like, not only is that frustrating, but I think, like, a mentat is able to, like, more readily see what's missing rather than what's there. Too, yeah, you know? yep, yep, that's very true. Um, and so, he has this line, it was his problem, too. Damn them. He was in a box within their box. All of them trapped. And, uh... I just thought that was, um, another pretty good Herbert line. Just because, you know, obviously, um... Not only is Duncan trapped in the no-ship, and not only has... Uh, Duncan in his various incarnations been pretty much trapped in, like, either, like, more literal or metaphorical ways, no matter what. Um, 
But, you know, Duncan saying that whether I'm in the no ship or not, like, you're all, you're all trapped right now. The danger that you're in, it, it's kind of like everyone. It's, it's like, man, it's like, it's like everyone's like in a no ship, man. You know what I mean, man? Pretty much. Well, I mean, since Chapter House is, I guess, kind of like a no planet, right? Uh, <laughs> or, um... Or they don't know the location, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Chapter House is kind of a Trapter House, you know. They, Ooh, Trapter House. Trapter House. Yeah. All right, that's the episode title after all. There okay. we go. All Fuck right. Whatever the first thing was. Trapter House is. Trapter House is fantastic. That was gold. Oh, thank, thank you, thank you. They are all trapped from from this, and you know, waiting for the animators to come and take them to the deaths. Yes. Yeah, um, right. It's not like a super deep observation, but like it is, it is interesting. And I, I like, you know, there's like a lot of disdain in the way that Duncan lays it out. He's like, you think you have me fucking trapped in here under observation? Like you guys are just as fucked as I am right yeah. now. Like, you know, if Chapter House goes down, we all go down. Yeah, I'm just, yep. like he says, in a box within a box. Um, but yeah, I, it also did did make me think about like, man, Duncan just cannot, can, just can never catch a break. The man who is just perpetually fucked in more ways than I know. one. I know. Um, yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Very true. I, I I do. I just wish he could find freedom. I yeah. I, I don't think that's ever gonna happen in this book. But I that's I, I hold out hope that that, that does <laughs> that does happen for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as long as we don't know, it's possible. He he seems to be holding out hope, too, no matter how many lives of, you know, evidence to the contrary are, are stacked on top of him and yeah. stuffed within him. Yep. Um, yeah, he has to hope. He has to hope. It doesn't break him, so, you know, goddamn, Duncan. You're, uh, you're a real one. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay. Let's see. My next one. Page 218. Um, let's see. Odrade. Oh, Odrade is talking to Duncan about... She says that that Duncan had asked her about the thing that tethers her to her humanity. And she shows him the Van Gogh painting Cottages at Cordville again. Yes, so yes. that's brought up again. I, um, I, I don't, It, it, it seems at first glance that Odrade showing someone this, especially Duncan in the situation where he's trapped and presumably desperate, to, to outright be like, this is the thing that like keeps me human, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Within the tumult of the millions of lives inside of me. 
it kind of feels like showing someone your weakness. You know, like mm-hmm. Odrada is being very vulnerable in this moment. And and Duncan does kind of reflect within this chapter that he feels like the the relationship that he has with Odrade is genuine, you know, that, that Odrade does have like genuine care, even though she is also the leader of this fucking plan that ha- has ultimately um, imprisoned him within a spaceship. Yeah. Um, but but I don't know. It, it, it's part of the thing that that starts Duncan on his mosaic. Um, Odrade says that the the painting was a kind of like recording of a, of a human moment, you know, and and um, you know that it, it would be considered crude today. And it doesn't record things as literally and perfectly as the instruments that, you know, they have within Dune or even that we have now, obviously. But she she's kind of in awe of it as, like, it's able to, like, capture something about humanity within itself in a way that a camera couldn't, you know, yeah. like all great artwork. And her belief and recognition of that she seems to say is what is what kind of like preserves her humanity. You know, that if, mm-hmm. if she like truly let go of her, her humanity and became purely analytical, there would be no value to find within the artwork because um, you'd be like, well, why, why wouldn't, if you're going to record something, why wouldn't you use the commas or whatever? Um, but, but she sees like a real, uh, you know, piece of something like inexplainable that that is preserved within it, um, and that and that kind of touches on that whole idea of the human spirit too. Um, but there's a line. Is that what I was referring to? Let's see. The painting says. The painting. That painting says. Where is that line? Hold on a second. Not really on as on top of my calling out my lines here either. It's okay. We're we're just kind of you know gearing up for the home stretch here. This is like a practice. Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? Ah, that painting says you cannot suppress the wild thing, the uniqueness that will occur among humans no matter how much we try to avoid it. Vincent told us something important about our fellows in the scattering. Yeah. Um, I fucking love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even Odrada goes on to, like, explain what she means a little bit more, or, you know, just, just in more detail, saying, like, you know, essentially that... Um, they're talking about, like, what could be hunting the automators or, like, what, what could be causing the situation with the automators to come back and this and that. And Andrade's like, listen, for as much as we think we know, there's about a billion things we know we don't know. Yeah. Because if you send 
a billion fucking humans out into the edge of space and then just forget about them for a while, you will not get the same group of people coming back to you. No, yeah, absolutely not. So, um, you know, that's that's something that she's able to relate back to the painting. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is uh, kind of intriguing to see the way that Odrade, by extension Herbert, is able to kind of liken this idea of the scattering back to this this painting too. This idea of like, you know, humanity will 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 always like thrash against its boundaries to try and yeah. create something new. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that is kind of like the essence of Duncan's character too, right? You know, just striving for freedom from whatever boundaries that you're you're dealing with. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I think that's kind of the point. That's the driving focus of this story all along. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, especially it always always makes me think of Duncan's, you know, many recurring lives within God Emperor. You know, where he he really just. He just can't be you know, content because the idea of like serving the Atreides has like become so different and become so twisted under Leto the second that like he, he can't help but like rail against his, his confines, you know, like when he was serving under, uh, Duke Leto the first or, you know, even though he kind of comes to consider that a kind of imprisonment in retrospective, which was fascinating when that came up in Heretics. Um, like, God Emperor is where it, it, it really hit me for the first time. Like, what was what was going on? And so, like, when Duncan kind of muses about all these lives he's lived and and how he had to, like, fight against these boundaries that were placed upon him, a lot of the times it, it goes back to Leto, you know, like he yeah, definitely really just did a number on him. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about it further, and I, we, we might've talked about this before, but the idea that he chose Duncan to keep on reviving because he knows so deeply what his spirit is and, 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 you know, how he's going to react to these things. Like, the idea that this is kind of the 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 kind of spirit that he wants to imbue all of humanity for the future, like it makes sense because I mean he's gonna do this you know terrible thing to this one man um, over and over and over again. Each time he finds out what has been done to him, it gets just a little bit worse. And he he always tries to rebel and to break through. It, it never works until the one time that. That's it. He's had enough. The conditions are are correct. It does work. He he breaks the spell, and uh, in doing so, you know, he kind of you know grants Leo's wish in in kind of spearheading humanity in his not in his image, but in his spirit and in his ideals. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's so fucked up, but it's masterfully manipulated by 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 leo who who that was his intention all along 
I know, right? It's like it's done in such a way where, you know, if 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 Duncan being made to serve and kind of being controlled by Leo is like imprisonment, then it, w- it would feel like the, the natural opposite, like killing Leto would be freedom. Mm-hmm. And yet killing Leto is to remain in just a different kind of imprisonment all yeah. the same. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. It just never matters what Duncan does. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, the poor it, man. I know. I know. I mean, that's, that's kind of why I feel like true resolution for the story would be Duncan finally finding actual. I, yeah, time. yeah. No, I, I, I think so too. I don't know how we get to that point, but it, it feels like if anything, especially you know, after six books of Duncan being made to go, you know, to undergo all this shit. It, feels like it would be kind of like deeply cynical to to end it in a way where it's like and then that just keeps happening always and forever like i i do i i I like to think that um herbert was building to to some sort of a conclusion like that you know that the the reward the payoff for that would be all the greater because of what we know that duncan has been through throughout this series um i'm not expecting to get any closure on that neither am i and i mean even if there was a seventh book written by herbert uh it's like there's no guarantee that it would be that yeah there's, there's there's not um yeah speaking you know the the beginning of this podcast we talked about like uh Saturday morning Dune spinoffs cartoons yeah. with uh, Golden Path Kids, but I mean, like, it 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 is funny to think about in a in a world so Marvelified with shared universes and shit. If Dune were to take off in such a way, like, man, what a fascinating series it would be to follow the incarnation of Duncan at the end of God Emperor with Siona, like, yeah. spearheading this this new empire into the the next yep. like version of humanity like that would, that be, would be a fucking spinoff right that would there. be very very interesting yeah that would be a great spinoff it really would be yeah um but yeah at any rate uh i want to go back to we're on this duncan chapter i want to go back to um the old couple that we were discussing in um I don't know, the first or the second chapter, whatever the fuck it was. Um, it's it's towards the end of this... Um, this chapter. Uh, Duncan says... I'm going to just read the, the section here yeah. again. Um, so... He, he's thinking about how the Tleilaxu pretty much he was able to reawaken all these lives because the, Tleila, the Tleilaxu like got a insane number of all these different Duncan cells and put them together and shit you know like um 
and he thinks he, like he can kind of he can realize the gaps within his 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 like his lifetimes from the cells that were scraped together you know like it, it's not just a completely unbroken thing where they have every Duncan life you know what I mean um, but he says there's no gaps in his memory despite that because yeah because he doesn't remember the deaths and the reincarnations he says he remembers the lives that he's lived so it doesn't feel that's also probably part of the reason it doesn't feel like a whole bunch of different lives and just one long life he says he really doesn't remember the deaths or the revivals yep i think he does but like i, I think he means like he doesn't place importance on those yeah i don't, I don't think they feel like actual deaths it's yeah just, just one long continuation i think for him yeah um, but at any rate, here's the, the line coming off of that thought. Um, yeah. But no gaps in my memory. I remember them all. He was a network linked outside of time. That is how I can see the people of that vision. The net. It was the only explanation explanation mentat awareness could provide and if the sisterhood guessed they would be terrified no matter how many times he denied it they would say another quasats hatterack kill him so two things it, it feels like duncan comes to some sort of a conclusion here where he's saying that's how i can see this these old people uh, he was a network linked outside of time. That is how I can see the people of that vision. My thought, especially because this comes immediately following him thinking about all the other lives in him, is that, like, does he mean that these were people that another Duncan within his past lives knew or were familiar with, or is it like something totally different than that? And I'm like not getting something. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, no I, I just don't, don't think, think it's clear. clear. I, I mean, mean, he can, see, you know, exist like outside of time or see outside of time. Like, I mean, so that wouldn't necessarily, because I mean, I guess he could be a time traveler in the sense that he can go back to the memories of his previous lives. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that like, these people are not from a past life. Because he would remember them. Because he remembers everything. I think he would know. Yeah, true. And he would tell us. Um, I mean, my, my crazy theory now is that maybe there is a Duncan in the scattering that knows these people, right? Oh, yeah, that would be crazy. And, and somehow he's connected because of whatever this power he has is. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one thought that I had. Um, it just depends on the extent of, of whatever this power is, you know? What, what he can tap into and why he can tap into this specific slice of space and time. Um but he seems to think it's it is it is 
you know, comparable to a Kwisatz Haderach like level of power. Yeah. Yes, he does. Um, and it does seem important to to make the distinction where it's not Kwisatz Haderach, it's Kwisatz Haderach like, yes. like you said. Because the line is, no matter how many times he denied it, they would still say another Kwisatz Haderach. So Duncan seems to recognize or believe within himself that that's not what he is. But under this kind of observation, and with the th- with the threat of him being a Kwisatz Haderach being so uh, deadly to the Bene Gesserit, they just wouldn't risk it. They would just be like, well, doesn't matter if you are or you aren't, you know, like yeah. real witch hunt shit. It's like, we just can't. We can't, can't risk, risk it. it. We can, yeah, we can't keep you alive anyways. So, um, all right. Last thing. Uh, it's the very end of this this page. He, he lists the mosaic pieces that he, he gathered from his many thoughts throughout this chapter. I'm just going to read them here. Uh, wondering if there's anything that you want to mention about them or... or um, you know, think about how they might be connected or not. I don't really have any thoughts on it. I'm just gonna if anything does come to me, it's it's on the fly, just like pretty much everything. So um here we go. A game where one of the pieces can't be moved. Excuses for extraordinary behavior. They want our willing participation in their dreams. Test the limits. Humans can balance on strange surfaces. Get in tune. Don't think it. Do it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Ah. Uh, no, no fully formed thoughts just yet. What are yours? Yeah. Me neither, I, me neither, like, I can think of them in in separate things, like, a game yeah. where one of the pieces can't be moved feels like the no-ship yeah. and Duncan. Yeah. Excuses for extraordinary behavior. I mean, to me, that makes me think of the Honored Maters, like, the way that they're obviously kind of, like, berserking throughout the galaxy. It could be the Bene Gesserit, depending on what Odrade has plans. But it makes me think of the automators. The other ones I could take a stab at, but I'm not too sure either. I'll be really looking to see if you know if, if this these pieces do come together um, and Duncan does figure something out. I would really like to see if if there's like a mystery that becomes solved yeah. and like I could look back on these and really think like oh these were like real clues Herbert was giving me. I hope that's the case cuz right now it does feel all very cryptic and confusing um but yeah I mean 
I guess a lot of it just just still kind of orbits around this idea of like you know following a like an inner kind of human strength like get in tune don't think it do it yeah. don't overthink things don't get lost in your your thoughts or in the bureaucracy or whatever like there's like a real there's a core of humanity that like can be followed and should be you know encouraged and balancing on strange surfaces is like adaptability yeah. testing the yeah. limits is like curiosity and you know you know that 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 kind of like um you know un un crushable uh like urge for exploration things like that could you repeat all of them just in order again yeah 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 of course a game where one of the pieces can't be moved excuses for extraordinary behavior they want our willing participation in their dream test the limits Humans can balance on strange surfaces and get in tune, don't think it, do it. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, get in tune. Get in tune, I feel like, I don't know, getting in tune with whatever the people in his visions are are telling him getting out of their frequency or something i don't know could be it does seem it like feels, it feels like they're trying to connect and they just haven't gotten it yet right like when you're 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 tuning a radio exactly, dial and exactly. it keeps going in and out yep precisely yeah there there is a bit of that there i was gonna say like so you think that that nike stole their uh stole their slogan from frank herbert did, absolutely did, did nike come up with just do it after this probably yes right? they did yeah and actually david nike founder of nike he mm. he is on record at, uh, as being a big dune fan so i i think there's a case there wow. we should we should alert brian herbert yeah we, we should i mean big money that's big huge that's that's nike money right there yeah, I mean, and, you know, Lord knows Brian Herbert needs more of it. Lord knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't what, isn't that why there's, like, 30 other Dune books? I yes. Mean, you know. No offense there, Bri Bri. Bri Bread. Let's be affectionately uh, refer to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that fucking sour monkey has me like burping up a storm, man. Sorry. Hey, I can't smell it. I can't smell it here. No, no, no. It's it's fine. It's yeah. you know, It's all those mouth noises for the listeners and shit. They those, love it. Those little freaks love it. Get enough of it. Little pervs. Oh god. Oh goodness. All right. Um, you ready to dive into our last chapter? Yeah. Last but not least, chapter five. Dive in because of like the swimming and shit. Yes. Too, you know. Uh, come, come, come along, sea child. Yeah. <laughs> um. Or so now, this... now pond child. Come along, yeah, pond. That's that's what you were looking for. There we go. <laughs> come along, sea pond. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, this this chapter... Um, oh, Odrade is, like, finally traveling to go see Shiana. I think back to our last episode where the way it was written out, I was so sure that Odrade was, like, secretly leaving within the middle of the night to go visit Shiana on her own because, like, none of the other Bene Gesserit would approve and whatever. And... Then it turns out Herbert's like, oh no, she's like planning it all out. There's like an itinerary. Yeah. They, they got a bus. They got this. They got that. There's like fucking 20 other people. Um, yeah. This is like the fucking sisterhood of the traveling robes here, you know? It like, um, I, I guess I. It's not even that I, like, mind, or, like, I think this chapter's done really well, and who knows what it's building towards, but it was just funny to me, because, like, I was so sure of, of yeah, again, like, pretty much what I just said, like, you know, Adrati was kind of trying to, like, slip away on her own, and then, like, we get, like, fucking all these chapters with Adrati in it, and then you know, like, 80 pages later, we get the, the fucking travel thing here, and it's just, it just makes me think, like, man, that's so, like, Herbert, you know, like, oh, know. The, the chapter ends, it feels like there's all this forward momentum, and it's like, oh my god, like, everything's coming to a head, what's gonna happen next? And then he's like, nah, actually, we're gonna do some more build-up again, and it's like, yeah. what? But you just, you just wrote, like, the thing was going to happen, and he's like, yeah, I know, but... But it's, we're going to do the build-up instead again. And it's like, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's going to do that. Um, but I, I, I did like this chapter. You know, we get some travel stuff in here. Uh, A lot very interesting about the, um, you know, the um, population of other areas of Chapter House and the environment. And the effects totally. of, of, of the environment. That was very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, the way Herbert describes it, especially with, like... Especially with the way that the Bene Gesserit have, like, historically... Um, influenced the weather on the planet... Uh, in order to, like, you know, change things for their benefit. It, it's interesting, there's a part in this chapter where he's talking about, you know, just like you're saying, like, the effects of the desertification on Chapter House Planet, and it, it, it's kind of easy to think, like, oh, well, what if they just tweaked one thing here for the weather? And then Herbert kind of goes on, to say, like, well, if you change just one minor thing about the weather here, like, then that's going to affect this thing, and then that'll affect this thing. And, like, he really makes it a point to showcase that, um, 
you know, not not only is, you know, changing one small thing, you know, some something that can have, like, far-reaching consequences, but, like, by extension, like, that that the entire ecology of the planet is connected in such a way that you can't just change one thing. Nope. Because everything is connected. As Kynes would say, I, I think the line is, the thing about an ecosystem is, it's a system. Mm. A system, he says in big fucking exclamation marks. Good old Kynes. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I liked, I liked uh, Herbert talking about that again here. That's true. Um, and just like you're saying too, yeah, you, you get to see like what's what's it like around Central. We really only spend time in Central, but we get an idea that there's like more and more that there are towns and they supply stuff to Central and Benny Jesuit like trainees are even like kind of just left to live in these towns they either like gain skills or even if they're not part of the Bene Gesserit yet like sometimes that's just where they get girls from to join the Bene Gesserit yeah. just like Odrade um so yeah it's 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 all weird in a way you know it's like they're they're farming you know, like, crops, of course, but, like, also sort of farming people. Like, yeah, that's just kind of what they do. Um, and we, we do get a, kind of a small glimpse into that here, too. They're not happy. No. No, no one's really happy with Odrade's plan. It's funny, because everyone knows that it's the plan, like... Um... But there's obviously, like, some very crucial steps to the plan that Odrade has not talked about. Because people are like, okay, so we're going to turn Chapter House into a desert. One, that sucks because now, like, our entire livelihood of, like, farming and shit is dying. And I don't even think it's really clear what they gain from that. Like... Okay, so you get a worm, a bunch of worms, I guess. Um, but it, it's kind of weird because, like, living in this Dune universe in, like, a post-synthetic spice world, it doesn't even feel as important to have, like, a spice monopoly like Arrakis in the first place. Like, I'm even kind of left thinking, like, even if they succeed and you get a whole bunch of worms and your entire planet is a desert and you get your own spice supply, like, what do you gain that you don't already have? What are the benefits to, like, sandworm spice over synthetic spice? I don't think that's ever really been made clear. No. Other than, like, there probably is a benefit. Like, it probably is better to have real, real spice, right? Yeah, but there's there's nothing like the real thing. Um, it has not been explicitly laid out for us. Um, but also, I mean, it also helps them so they do not have to rely on the producers of synthetic spice. Um... So, I mean, 
there's there's definitely clear benefits of it, but but I mean, does it make them a superpower again, or does it make them unstoppable? Uh, we don't we, we haven't really gotten um, great reasoning as to why that would be. Yeah. Yeah, and it it I mean one thing that seems pretty for sure is like there is more to Odrade's plan that we just don't know about. So Yeah. Yep. You know, um I have faith that there's at least something else going on, but it it is kind of funny because pretty much every other Benny Jesuit on the planet is like, This sucks. Yeah. Like we're pretty much sacrificing our entire planet during like a situation where our planets are already like we're willingly destroying a planet during a time where our planets are being destroyed already yeah and whatever we're going to get from that just does not seem worth that sacrifice and like right now I'm inclined to agree because I don't know what the full scope of Odrade's plan is. But, like, as I see these things happen, as I see Odrade lament this passing, and as I see the, you know, the other Bene Gesserit be like, what the fuck? I, I get that, like, narratively, you know, I'm still meant to side with Odrade. And, like, I do. I don't think the Bene Gesserit order is, like, right. But I do think they're, like, well within their rights to be upset, you know? And I, I, I'm not upset in the same way, but I do feel confused because the position of the Bene Gesserit is much more easy to understand than the position of Odrade because there's, like, a crucial piece of information that we don't know about Odrade, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um... And so it, it does kind of feel like reading these chapters sometimes, I'm kind of inclined to be like, yeah, Odrade, what the fuck? What is the point of all this, you know? Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, but also, I mean, I, I feel like it's... The difference between, you know, dying, surely, but, you know, like having a decent quality of life before you die versus maybe suffering and being in pain just for the short term but having a chance at survival with Odrade's plan um that's a that is very very true very very true so yeah but um I I'm right there with you and, and still wondering what the full extent of the advantage of having a sandworm is for Chapter House. Yeah. And it could just be something we're missing, but, I mean, I don't think it's been clearly stated. Um, I don't think so either. I think it's something that's kind of just like how Terraza's plan was only really told to us at the very, very yeah. end. And it's like, oh, it turns out the whole time Duncan was just bait for the Honor Maters to destroy all of Arrakis, and we were going to just take one sandworm and have a spice monopoly. And it's like, we were never going to figure that out. And I, I think no. similarly, Odrade's plan will probably play out like that. 
I, I don't think we will know until the end, and then we'll get told it. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, yeah probably, probably so. Probably so. Uh, for the rest of this chapter, um, they visit a small uh, Bene Gesserit village. They, they pretty much bring up all the shit that we were just talking about. Like, there's... Um, there's, there's farmers there that, you know, pretty much are like, what the fuck? And Andrade's like, yeah, I know, but there's she nothing to be done. a very, very unsatisfying answer that yeah. storms away. Pretty much. Um, and then they move on. They're going to be staying at this town, uh, it's, I think it's called Eldio, uh, by the sea, on their way to see Shiana. Andrade swims in the sea. And it kind of made me wonder if this was the town that Odrade was taken from when she was a child. Um, I don't think that that's spelled out, but I do kind of feel like Herbert is nudging us in that direction. I think it's it's one of those things that like it, he doesn't just tell you, but I do think you're made to think about it by the text. Um, mm. At least I did. I yeah, think. that's that's a um, probably a good connection there. That could definitely be the case. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is another very sad um, change where the sea has um, receded quite a lot. And that it has. That makes the sea childhood very very sad. It does. And she she gives Sea Child one more dip in the water. And then she pretty much Skinny goes. Skinny dip. Yeah. Yep. Everyone's like, Oh my god. The 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 uh what you call it Grandmother Goose is naked. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. For real. I mean, that's like... It's like if Joe Biden just, like, went went fucking swimming in the ocean naked. I would pay to see that. I would, too. How much? And, and that's what... I don't know. 200 bucks. 200 bucks is a that's that's a very reasonable amount. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go much higher than that, but like I get that it ha- it, it can't just be like nothing. Yeah. You know? Do you think he still has pubes? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, oh but, yeah. Well, but I mean, old people like the hair. Does the hair fall out or? No, no. In fact, I think you get more bush. Really? Okay. It's like nose hair. Well, I mean, it. I I, I I'm sure it depends on the person but i mean like from my understanding like usually when you get older like you you pretty much only lose hair on top of your head mm-hmm. and then your body it's just like all bets are off okay. That's fair you enough. know because i mean you look at like you know dads and shit a lot of the times they're covered in hair chest hair yeah, but shoulder hair neck hair but when you get to the hair. age of joe biden is i think that other i think you start to lose other hair too i don't think it's 
I, I, I don't, don't think it just keeps on going throughout your life once you reach an age. You, you think your you think your pubic hair just like falls falls out of your body, falls off your body? Would you be surprised? I don't know. I'd be a little surprised. I think, I think Joe Biden has like full bush. Then that would be an easy two hundred for me. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Take my money. You know. Yeah. Let Let's just say, um, you know, top half of Biden, all Democrat, but below the belt. I think he's part of the Bush administration. Oh, damn. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I do. do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. The war yeah. criminal. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's above the belt, too. That's just the whole, <laughs> whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Sea Child gets one last uh, dip in the water. And then Andrade is just like, yeah, just fucking get rid of it, Tamalane. Just get rid of the fucking sea. Yeah, um, she, she decides to pull the bandit off. Just rip that fucking bandit off. Get yeah. This, get this over with. Yeah. Which, like, makes sense. You know, she's like, if, if it's going to go, then why prolong it? And it's, it is going to go. It's going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it might be ba- you know, better for the... For the evolution of a worm, but like for her people, that's not a lot of adjustment time. You know, that's not gonna do them any any help. But you know, no. At least we'll be over and done with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what the consequences are. I, I almost wonder if she gets rid of the sea fully, if this will like really create like real unrest within the Benny Chesare. Like there was already a Proctor meeting called to see if Odrade was going to continue leading the Benny Chesare. It feels like just like getting rid of the entire sea um is a pretty big move that pretty much everyone is going to very strongly dislike. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder if it might call her leadership into question again. It definitely could. And the, the, the one other thing that strikes me about it is that it seems like a very emotional decision for her as well. It is. It is. Totally. Which is also frowned upon. Yeah. That, that is true. Um, but in this moment, whether or not the other Benny Jezero would realize this or not, you know, she's kind of making the decision against her emotions it's it's very emotional for her to make the decision but she is ultimately making what she believes to be like the Bene Gesserit first decision at the expense of you know what what she would want her emotional sea child self of course would want the sea to remain well um, yeah but but also it's easy you know she's she's also um making the choice that would be easier for her emotionally than watching it slowly fade, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, she's, that, that's... She's, uh, she's ripping the emotional bandit off of herself, you know? Damn the consequences. I um, see. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I really thought too much about that, no, no, no. but I, I, I agree now that you're saying it, yeah. 
I mean, I like that. It could it could prove to be the best you know choice for for everyone. We don't, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's gonna lead to some rough times for those people. Yeah. Um. Kind of makes me think. I mean, talking about leadership, talking about Odrade's place in that. In this chapter, there's a line, it's on the top of page 33, is thinking, Long ago, the sisterhood had ruled that each sister must make her own moral decisions. Never follow a leader without asking your own questions. That was why moral conditioning of the young took such high priority. Um, and then she kind of goes on to say, too, like, that's probably why Shiana is acting the way she is because we didn't start training her young enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, two things about that. One, going off of the discussion we were just having, it's one of those, it, it feels like no matter what the Benny Gesserit reaction is, like, I, I think... This just feels like a weird piece of information to bring into this into the discussion because um, if if we if we get this idea that Odrade has like this grander plan in mind um, and the Bene Gesserit who oppose it just maybe aren't seeing the full picture, I think it's easy to kind of dismiss you know dismiss them as. Um, as not, uh, you know, being as, like, emotionally intelligent as Odrade is and, and, and not seeing the same things that she does. But, like, here Odrade, too, is, like, you know, it's kind of the, the duty of those who are ruled to question their leader. And, of course, Odrade, in this case, is the leader. I mean, sure enough, she does accept the questioning. She does get questioned a lot, and she handles it pretty readily, and we see that in this chapter, too. Um... So it's not that she like dismisses it or or discourages it. Um, I I guess I just wonder why she feels like she cannot let more of uh, you know the Bene Gesserit know what her plan is. You know, it's like yeah. is something about her plan something that needs to be secret in order for it to work because the more I think about it, it it just feels like she's, she's kind of creating friction and and problems between like herself as leader and Benny Gesserit as followers where, you know, not that there doesn't need to be, but it's like, what, what is the purpose of it? I guess. Um, Yeah. It does seem to me like, um, there, there is part of it that needs to be kept a secret or kept at arm's length from yeah from her her team for and then, a period of time at least right for yeah yeah eventually they'll know but and then the other thing was um it it just seems like an admission, it seems like this weird contradictory admission 
of like Benny Gesserit's superiority as brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Like, because she pretty much just spells out like Shiana, who openly questions the teachings of the Benny Gesserit is kind of, like, deemed a renegade. And they're like, yeah, we probably didn't get to her young enough to, like, pretty much make it so she wouldn't question these things, you know? We didn't get to her young enough where we could distort her view of reality permanently. So she's able to see us from a perspective of, uh, you know, where we're not just, like, idolized and put on a pedestal. Like, yeah. And so it seems a little weird to me because on the one hand, this is saying always question your leaders. But in this case, when they are the leaders and then they get questioned, they're like, no, not like that. You know, like, yeah, which is always the thing with leaders. And Herbert's very much aware of that. So this could very well be him calling out a kind of irony in their uh, in their order, um, but I, I felt like it was strange that the Bene Gesserit themselves, not that they need to like, you know, fucking put a disclaimer at the end of everything they say, but it feels like it was odd that that Odrade didn't like call attention to that or reflect on that in this moment. It feels like it's it's taken at very much face value, which I thought was kind of odd. Do you see what I mean uh, yeah, there? I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think based on previous um, passages with Odrade, I think she is definitely well aware of that duality and in, in how it does live within her as well as a leader. Um, so yeah, I don't think necessarily needs to be spelled out every time. Um, but I think that's something that that she does have trouble reconciling with as well, you know? But I also think, I, I think she knows that she's not a perfect leader or a perfect, uh, you know, troublemaker either, you know? It's, 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 it's um, yeah, it's a balancing act. Um, it is a balancing act. And There's I, been a lot about balance, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I definitely think Herbert does it, these things intentionally where, where I'm sure he... Had the exact same thoughts about her role in, in leadership and in <clears throat> that contrast with Shiana. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I hope that Shiana has a chance to showcase that as a character in this story. Like, I, I hope that her, um, as like a force of like internal opposition against the Bene Gesserit is like, explored a bit more and like given a you know given a sense of like nuance and understanding that 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 doesn't just write her off you know I don't want Shiana to just be dismissed I hope that um I hope that her opposition is is given as much of a voice as the Bene Gesserit have been given to absolutely agreed yeah I, I, I I do hope she can um, I don't know. I, I, I hope she has has a moment. Um, I, I I hope whatever her and Duncan are planning together does um, take off in some way. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, here's the last thing I have a note for for discussion in this chapter. And I wanna I wanna go back to like Duncan's talking about how he's not a quiet that's had a rack in the previous chapter. In in this chapter on page two twenty seven <clears throat> Odrade is is thinking about her vision again of like her being on the tightrope while the, the axe wielder is coming to get her. She says or thinks to herself rather Um Yeah, remembering Odrade felt the chill of the hunter's axe. How soon she dared not seek the answer. I'm not a Kwisatz Haderach. Uh, and it's like, yeah, of course she isn't. No surprise there. Um, but it, it feels like with this chapter, with the previous chapter, and it, it's, been, it's been brought up several times throughout this book, I feel like Kwisatz Haderach has been, been getting thrown around more and more. Yeah, it has, um, it has been. And, and also, noticeably absent from a, these last two chapters is Baby Tug. Yeah. Yeah, true. We we got some some good Baby Tug action in the previous section, but completely gone here. Um... <clears throat> With Duncan thinking about how his powers are comparable to a Kwisatz Haderach, but he isn't one. With Odrade thinking that she dares not look at the vision, she's not a Kwisatz Haderach. <clears throat> I feel like it's just worth going back and thinking, like... Because it's, it's been a while. Honestly, the Kwisatz Haderach, as an idea, as far as I'm concerned, has really only mattered for one book, and that's Dune. And yeah. then it never mattered again. Mm-hmm. pretty much until now um, it was brought up in heretics but didn't turn into anything and now it feels like you know is this the book where it's going to matter yeah. or are they just dancing around it again but like I, I guess I want to call attention to it because we have all these prescient characters thinking about it and it's like Well, what is a Kwisatz Haderach? Like, I think it's worth thinking about it again. Because it's not just, like, being able to see the future really, really, really good and better than everyone else who can already see the future only kind of good. Like, the way that I remember it, it's, like, this idea that there's, like, something internal, something within ourselves that like when when undergoing a vision you can like turn inwards and see it and women dare not do it and men who try to do it have all died unless they're the Kwisatz Haderach and so the Kwisatz Haderach is like kind of this connecting force kind of like this bridge this yeah I don't know. I re- it's like, oh, the thing that could be many places at once or whatever. But, like, in my mind, like, it's like it's like a guy who can be a girl 
you know, sort of, <laughs> and can can see all the things within a person. It's not it's not even so much about the future. It feels like it's like a very mystical kind of thing. It's it's it something is, yeah. internal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it almost feels like something like a quality that is like un quantifiable or unable to be adequately described um and i mean there's there's i feel like there's an argument you know that says we really don't know what a quiet that's truly is and we haven't really seen a quiet that's ever um i mean obviously paul even says himself he's not the quiet that's um yeah People think still think that he was. Um, then you're like, well, was Leto the real Quasar Tatarak? No. <laughs> uh, maybe, but um, yeah, it's it's still kind of a, a, a mysterious variable. It is. It is, um, and it, it's kind of funny because it feels like, especially in the first book when it's introduced to us, it's of course the Bene Gesserit who, who introduced that idea and even almost kind of claim an ownership of it, you know? Obviously their goal is to create and control the Kwisatz Haderach. Um, so it feels like if anyone was gonna know what a Kwisatz Haderach is, it would be the Bene Gesserit. I think during the time where they were as close to they as close as they ever have been to making one during the time Muad'Dib. Yeah, I think they had a very clear idea of what they thought it was, and then when Paul was born and did or didn't become the Quasar Although, for what it's worth, I think the way the book ends, he he kind of claims that he is ultimately. Uh, but yeah, it's it's yep. ambiguous, you could say. Um, I, I think it kind of causes them to reevaluate what it means to be a Quasar Tatarak and what it was they were trying to make in the first place. Mm-hmm. Once once Paul's actually there, and so it's funny in a way to still see them like grappling with that thousands and thousands of years later. It's like. I think you're kind of right in that. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone could like say that they unequivocally know what a Quasar Tatarak is. It's more like you could be like, well, I know what a Quasar Tatarak isn't in a way, you know, like I'm not, people keep saying I'm not a Quasar Tatarak, like all these people with amazing abilities or crazy prescient powers. Like you can have those things and not be a Quasar Tatarak. What is it that differentiates uh, Quasar Tatarak? How do you make it? So on and so forth. Like, I don't know. I, I do think there's a lot up in the air with it. And I think it would be pretty fascinating if, if Herbert decides to go down the path where some kind of a Quasar Tatarak is made here again. Because I would like to get, you know, not even answers necessarily, but, like, more 
more possibilities that I could like feed into my mentat mind almost, you know, where it's like, I don't, I don't need it to be the answer given to me on a platter, but it, I would like to have something more to discuss about it. The characters keep bringing it up and it feels like the idea hasn't been expanded on since the first book. And it, it even might mean less after the first book than it did to begin with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I would love um, there to be an actual quasi-Tatarak character. Um, I, I feel like it is about time that, you know, I mean, I think there would be there would be some sort of quasi-Tatarak um, within the thousands of years that have passed since Mwadid's time. Um yeah, I think that would be like the, the very exciting route to go down, but that's precisely why I don't, I don't think we're going to get it. Yeah. I think we're going to get something we are not expecting that maybe has to do with a quasi-satirate concept in some way. Um, so yeah, I'd be very surprised. Because that seems like the obvious route. Oh, this character is a quasi-satirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They... They didn't want this to happen ever again, but it's happening. Don't think we're going to go there. But, again, I mean, maybe Herbert knows that we we are expecting to not expect it, and he'll do it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that would for sure be a concept that I would like to see expanded upon. Um, and regardless of Quasi Tatarak or not, I do hope we do get some expansion on Teg's ability and... You know, if if baby tag could tap into that, that would be very cool. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I I do I do see. Um, young tag getting back his memories, and then like upon that happening, like that'll kind of be the thing that solves this dangling mystery plot thread of like. What happened on the surface of Rackus? You know, what did Tig do? Yeah. That, uh, that precipitated, you know, all these other events. You know, what, what was it that caused the Bene or the Honor Maters to, uh, to destroy the planet as they did? More, more than just wanting, um, you know, the assurance that. Duncan was was killed and all that. Yeah, um, what, what made them so upset that now they're super hell bent on exterminating everywhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. That right. That's what it is. More right. That uh, that Rackus was going to be destroyed regardless to destroy Duncan, who of yeah. course wasn't destroyed. But it's the it's the continuation of their attack that they they think has its roots in in what Tag did. Yeah, yes, exactly. good point. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do, I do at least see that happening. You know, that's one of those things. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's obvious, but I, I can't imagine that being solved any other way. Like, I don't know how else you would figure out what happened on Rackus other than yeah. just creating the person again and having them figure it out. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, I, I really hope that that happens, and. I, I think at this rate, 
It also feels like we could definitely be getting Shiana for real now in these next five. Um, and I, I hope that we do, you know, and more than that, you know, Shiana and Odrade, I expect to be definitely at odds with each other. Um, but I really want to know what's going on with these worms. Like, is there a worm on Chapter House? Like a juvenile worm? Are there seems, sand trout? Like, what is going seems on? Seems like there is, I mean, according to what uh, Odrade thinks, there's not yet any evidence of a worm. Yeah. But wasn't someone claiming that? Like, wasn't wasn't that talked about before? I don't know. Yeah. It, it might have just be too long. But, yeah. Um, I think the last thing I want to say, not a prediction or anything, uh, and not something we have to talk about, but um, in, in Chapter 4 in particular, I, I think that uh, the relationship between Duncan and Rubella has been focused in a bit more in, in a way that, like... Um, in a way that makes it work more than I realized. It, it's kind of funny because, like, they, they both know that they've kind of been... Not only are they, like, imprisoned together, but their their entire relationship has kind of been built up on the fact that um, they've also both been conditioned to be so good at fucking <laughs> that, like, they literally can't resist one another. So they're, they're sort of, like, in this, like... <laughs> crazy relationship that's just like completely predicated on sex but you know they they admit that it's become something else you know yeah. that they that they do have a love for one another yes there is love there and i i believe it when i see that and like more than that i think what what really makes it work and i, I didn't realize this but like duncan mentions that he loves Mirbella as an honored mater like He's mm-hmm. really fallen in love with this person. And the fact that Marbella is being turned into a Bene Gesserit, Duncan feels like kind of puts a time limit on their relationship. Like once Marbella becomes a Bene Gesserit, you know, they, they no longer will have a relationship. And part of that will be because Marbella needs to, uh, you know, forfeit her love in order to make that transition. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's a bit more complex there than I first realized. And I forget if it was last... I think it was last section that Mirabella makes the decision to become a Bene Gesserit. Um, mm-hmm. And I was saying, like, oh, I think that's really interesting for her character. Like, and it is, but I, I didn't foresee this aspect of that. You know, that her losing her love to become this thing you know, would also come with the sacrifice of her relationship with Duncan, because I didn't realize they really loved each other in a way. Um, but this chapter does a lot of good work to showcase that in a in a short amount of time. So I just, I thought Rubella deserved a shout-out, because I think Herbert wrote her dynamic with Duncan pretty damn well. And I, I just wanted to throw that out there before we, we really finish up. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think she's She's become a very good character in her own right, and their relationship is bittersweet. Um, bittersweet, totally. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been since Aaliyah, really, that Duncan has had a real love interest. 
I mean, Sion obviously we, we saw the beginning of something, but it didn't really. We never really saw love there. Yeah. True. Um, so yeah, this this is this is nice, and uh, it's it's sad that there is a an expiration date on it. Right. It's. It's like I, I didn't fully realize it was there, and then when I did, it's like it's already clear that it's being set up to be taken away. I know, I know. Yeah. But uh, like like Odrade muses on, you know, um, all things are transient. You know, this too shall pass. Yeah. She says. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way of the world, man. You know, you just got to face the future as it comes. Indeed, you do. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to mention about this section, or any thoughts on our coming section? That's any it. Lingering. That's thoughts? it for me. All right, everybody. Well, then you know what to do. So, everybody, friends, fans, listeners, uh, you can email us at doomdudespodgmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Doom Dudes Pod. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at CorruptZV. Please rate, review, like, subscribe to the podcast. That would be very cool. Get ready for a double dose of Doom Dudes each week coming at you from here on out until the end. Um, and until next time. Bro, it's like... It's like we're all like trapped in a box inside of 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 a box. Damn, inside of a box inside of a box. <laughs>